Hi, my name is Dr. Mark Alandari, and I'm an infectious diseases specialist in New Orleans. Hi, my name is Hope Hickerson, and I'm a health education specialist and reporter. This is the Noise Filter Podcast, where an infectious diseases physician... That's me, and a health education expert... That's me. Talk about what you need to know to keep yourself and your loved ones healthy. For more information about Noise Filter, your public health podcast, and to watch and share our incredible informative animations, please visit us at noisefiltershow.com. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to us. So let's get started. Regular dog walks can help protect both the dog's and human brains. It might come as a surprise to some that dogs can actually develop dementia with age, similar to humans. According to two new studies, one of which analyzed the activities of pet dogs and the other which tracked the daily steps of humans, being physically active lowered the risk of developing dementia in both species. Interestingly, the disease hallmarks of dementia in dogs is very similar to that of humans, namely getting lost and forgetting things. Oh my God, how sad does that sound? My gosh. For dogs, the formal name for dementia is canine cognitive dysfunction and is characterized by getting lost in their own homes. Oh my gosh. Being unresponsive to commands and decreased social behavior, oh, which draws similar parallels to the symptoms of human dementia. Studies track the activity of over 15,000 pet dogs, while the other track the daily steps of over 75,000 men and women. Out of the 15,000 dogs in the study, the researchers concluded that age and inactivity were the two factors that showed the greatest correlation to developing dementia. In fact, dogs that were inactive were roughly 6.5 times more likely to have dementia than highly active dogs of the same age. That's a huge difference. Yeah, wow. The findings of the other study on humans was separate from the study done on dogs, but also drew similar conclusions. And the human study, published in September in JAMA Neurology, was a large study looking at human brains and walking. Scientists in the UK analyzed the health records of over 78,000 mid to late age men and women who had joined a health database known as the UK Biobank. These men and women reported their general health information and wore an activity tracker for a week to record their daily steps. The researchers followed these volunteers for about seven years, tracking medical records for dementia diagnosis and how that correlated to how much or how little these people walked. The scientists found that those who averaged 9,800 steps a day were half as likely, wow, half as likely to develop dementia compared to sedentary people. Even those who walked 3,800 steps a day, which comes out to a little less than two miles, were 25% less likely to develop dementia. Wow. Huge differences. And huge. Not something I've never linked with dementia is like amount of physical activity. Mm-hmm. In conclusion, both human brains and dog brains benefit from walking. In fact, another study in 2019 found that dog owners were approximately four times more likely to meet the standard exercise guidelines of 150 minutes per week of moderate exercise because they walk their dogs. 
Thus, overall, there really is no downside to taking your dog for more walks throughout the week. In fact, it's likely to benefit both you, Hope, and your dog. <laughs> that is amazing. That's amazing. Like I, I just did not know that it was that helpful. Like we always, we always talk about the benefits of physical activity and how protective it is for um, pretty much every organ in your body. But I did not realize it was the difference was that stark. I didn't. I did not realize that at all. I never realized like that it had so much to do with brain health. Like I always think of like. Yeah, like, you know, maybe you're less likely to have a fall when you're older. You're less likely to, like, mm-hmm. you know, have something go bad with your liver. I don't know, just different things like that, kidney. But, like, mm-hmm. that it actually helps the brain and so drastically is, is amazing. Mm-hmm. I know. Like, I, I was saying, so I'm in the middle of studying for my comprehensive exams right now. And I have been sitting at a computer literally seven, eight, nine hours every day studying, staring at a computer. And all I could think about was like, this is so bad for my health right now. All of this sitting that I'm doing. I I, I actually thought that today because I stood up and my body hurt from sitting so long, you know, and I was like, oh, no, I got to do better. Like I got to set an alarm every hour or something to just like walk around at least. Like oh, that's a good idea. Like I, I also have been feeling quite, quite stuck to the the couch um, the last few days. I think you know, like the holidays will do that to you a little. I think I need a little like you know, eat a bunch of food and sit around. Oh God, but but you know, like bathing season is gonna bathing suit season's gonna be here before we know. <laughs> The triple demic is wiping fever medicine off the shelves. The supply of children's pain relievers and fever reducers are struggling to keep up with an increased demand caused by what doctors are calling the triple demic. This is a result of short-term surge in the number of cases of COVID-19, RSV, and influenza. Although all of these infections are relatively common and at this point in the pandemic carry a low mortality rate, the current surge of all three is putting pressure on the supply for common cold remedies. Navigating this lack of supply can be frustrating and stressful for parents looking to find medications for their children. So a spokesperson for Johnson & Johnson, the manufacturer of medications such as Children's Tylenol and Motrin, pointed out that the supply squeeze is not necessarily the result of supply chain issues. Their spokesperson said the consumer demand for pediatric pain relievers in the U.S. is high, but there are no supply chain issues. Parents of young children can look at this as good news in the long run, even as even if supply in some stores appear to be dwindling. Because the supply chain for these medications appears to be in good health, the supply availability to parents should recover as flu season passes. Most importantly, parents should make an effort to not stockpile these medications for a number of reasons. Let me say that sentence again. Most importantly, parents should make an effort to not stockpile these medications for a number of reasons. Firstly, these medications are not the cure to the illnesses they are commonly taken for. Tylenol, Motrin, Advil, and other NSAIDs, which are non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, are not targeting the virus that causes COVID-19, RSV, or influenza. The drugs are instead alleviating the symptoms that the body produces in response to the presence of those viruses. 
So taking an NSAID will reduce the fever associated with the common cold, but it doesn't fight off the virus itself, nor does it shorten the duration of the infection. Assuming a child is otherwise healthy, the complications associated with the flu, COVID-19, and other common respiratory infections are relatively low unless they develop a high fever. It is important to note that fevers in infants can be very serious and warrant a visit with a medical professional. In this scenario, parents should leave dosing to a doctor. During this triple-demic, it's important for parents to understand that the spike in respiratory infections, although alarming, does not warrant a panic buying if children pain believers. There are enough for everyone if they are not purchased unnecessarily. I think this also does mean perhaps when cold and flu season passes, just make sure you have something in your medicine cabinet that can help help your little ones get through a, a difficult cold. 100%. Thanks for listening to Noise Filter, your public health podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Noise Filter podcast. Follow us on social media and leave us a review letting us know your favorite part of the show. You can find me, Hope Pickerson, at hopepickerson.com. And you can find me at Dr. Mark Allen Derry or at the Dr. Derry. That's D-R-D-E-R-Y. To see and share our amazing animations and find out more information about us, the show, as well as links to our social media, go to noisefiltershow.com. We are grateful to our sponsors, including Access Health Louisiana and the End the Epidemic Initiative, who are working to bring equitable health outcomes to everyone they serve. Hope, any last words? Stay well out there, folks, and continue taking steps to keep yourself and your loved ones healthy. That includes exercise, a good diet, getting adequate sleep, and seeing your healthcare providers regularly. And protect yourself and others by getting the COVID-19 vaccine and booster, wearing a mask, and social distancing wherever possible. Remember, health is a human right.